Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. Before I bring my next guest on, I just wanted to play a little bit of Andrew DeFair from yesterday when we learned that more than 200 jobs are being lost at DeFair. Uh, we just weren't able to, to, to get the raw materials that we needed to, to operate um, profitably. You know, for example, we have uh, handles that are sitting somewhere in English Bay in Vancouver that uh, we were promised would land here in Manitoba already, you know, a month or two ago. And we ordered them last year. And so when you don't have a handle to put on your product, you can't put it in a box and you can't sell it to your customer. Ron Kozlowski is the VP at Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters. Ron, good morning. Good morning, Hal. Thank you for jumping on for a couple of minutes. You hearing stories like that from a lot of uh, manufacturers out there? Absolutely. Uh, that is unfortunately you know, a, a bad situation, but everyone is experiencing uh, things that, that hold up the process. Material shortages, uh, for example, one piece that can hold up everything else in a major uh, production system. So it's, it's a rationing, uh, it's, a, it's a trucking issue, uh, it's a container issue. There's all kinds of things that go into this, but this has been the last year and a half or two years have been, and it's getting worse in some respects, not even better. Any relief in sight? Uh, well, <laughs> there, there's, there, there are some things we're learning, like everything has to be rethought and done differently these days. Uh, and so companies are very stressed out about trying to reinvent the wheel on every single uh, initiative related to supply chain. But there are some, some things that are being dealt with. Uh, so longer term, I mean, building computer chips, uh, for example, will begin more so in places where we can count on it more. Uh, some of the supplies have moved uh, from way overseas to finding things a little more uh, locally, let's say in North America. Um, and you know, in the long term, there there will be there will be some some improvements that will be made. Uh, partly, unfortunately, because I think because of inflation related to all of this, you're going to end up having uh, the economy start to contract and demand lessen, which will you know, ironically, make it a bit easier to to get the the materials and and even the labor that we need. Mm-hmm. Ron, I didn't make this connection. Listener Rudy just made it. Uh, is it true you used to be at Defair? I I didn't realize that. Is that true? <laughs> well, I used to be at Palliser, which uh, right before the split between Palliser and Defair was was all called Palliser. So yes, yeah. I. I spent uh, over 20 years working for the, the the family, if you will, over there. So, have great uh, empathy with and and uh, very very clearly remember my time over there. And I understand when they, when they talk about you know missing a board, which uh, which critical or handles, uh, uh, and and these are things that because of I said because of supply chain issues, but also because if you're not big enough, uh, you know the the big customers are going to get served first, if you will. And so companies that don't have as much volume, and I've heard this from many companies, they are put on the backlist uh, on, the, on the, the back end of the process. And uh, one company recently, a really good company, uh, building exports, very nice Winnipeg company, they said that the one supplier told them that uh, three days before a, a key delivery, 
that it would, might take another 11 months to get that delivery. And that's the kind of stories that we're hearing, and, and companies have to figure ways of getting around that. Uh, Ron, I'm almost out of time. What strikes me is companies that have been around for generations, decades and decades, are having to close their doors, going under, or on the verge of having to close their doors and going under because of the challenges we're facing now. And it's not one or even two, but three and more challenges. And it's a, it is a really difficult time right now. Yeah, no, it's, it is true. Um, there are, I mean, profitability is down because of all of this. So depending on who you are, what product you have, it, it, it's all over the place. But, yeah, there's no question there's heavy strain and stress on the whole economy uh, and the whole manufacturing sector, if you will. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think those that come through it will be stronger, but some won't be able to come through it or will certainly uh, suffer immensely in the meantime. So, yeah, we, we uh, continue to, to work at and, and meet with ways of trying to figure out how to get around these problems, but they're real and uh, they will impact the consumer. And that's the other point to be made is it, it will have an impact on the consumer in terms of choice and price and, and availability. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. Hey, you better help. Ron Kozlowski, VP, Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen here, shall we? DrCyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. Cyrus, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. You know, I say this just about every week. When you're here, I know my weekend is very close, and it's going to be... <laughs> A little breezy for lunch on the deck, but I'm doing it. I'm going to be out there and enjoying the sunshine and uh, and getting some work done. Um, let's start with, you know, it's funny, uh, this first headline that Cyrus is going to tell us about. Everywhere I turn lately, it's about nostalgia. Uh, for example, uh, apparently staycations are, are more popular this year, in part because gas prices are so high, but because it's nostalgic. It reminds us of our childhood. And so the first headline here for Cyrus, nostalgia, why thinking about the past can be good for you. Why? Well, you know, this is this is one thing I thought that was just interesting in this article. They found that people who were nostalgic, who kind of remembered, you know, uh, pleasant past experiences, uh, actually felt physically warmer. So you know how we say sometimes, oh, you know, it gave me a warm feeling. They actually, yeah, they actually feel physically warmer. When I, so I thought that was just a figure of speech. Maybe if I thought about it, I actually do feel warmer. I don't know. But anyway, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, but yes, people who, people who remember the past, they feel, uh, you know, happy about it. They feel more meaningful uh, in, their, in their present day. It actually kind of creates continuity in our lives. It makes us feel like we're part of a bigger story, uh, and which actually helps us to look forward to the future and improve uh, kind of what we're doing in the future. So there's actually quite a few reasons uh, to stay somewhat connected. I mean, we don't want to live in the past and like just stay there. Uh, but for you to kind of create, and they encourage people, you know, create a bank of memories um, and then to actually savor the past. So even if it's just even starting with yesterday, it's like, oh, you know, it was nice. You know, yesterday, that was a good day, you know, to be, you know, blank, to do, be doing these things. That was really nice. And then um, to wistfully remember these things helps us, again, to feel meaningful, to feel connected to, like, a bigger story. And then it helps us with our future as well to kind of feel like we're going somewhere meaningful. 
Well, and you know, Cyrus, I, I think the nostalgia thing is an even bigger deal now because of the pandemic, right? I, I think the pandemic has been, there's been so much uncertainty over the past couple mm. of years that being able mm-hmm. to get nostalgic or do something from our childhood from a happier time, I, I, I think that's part of it. I agree. I think that uh, when you're th- when you're in an unstable position, what can help people is to not focus so much on what's happening right then, but to focus on, you know what, this is part of a bigger story. So don't be too anxious. Don't be too concerned. I mean, maybe you need to do things or I don't know. But if you can, if you can be like, you know what, this is part of a bigger thing. We're going to get back to these things again. Life just does this every once in a while. And even remembering past uh, difficult times, you know, when you were able to, like, you know what, that happened, but you know what, we moved past it. Our family recovered, I recovered. We went on to have other good memories after that. Those things can give people this feeling of continuity. Life isn't just about what happened in the pandemic. Life is big, has a bigger arc than that, and we're going to get through it. You've got some really good subjects today. Um, I'm especially excited to hear about all of them. Um, this next one, how many problems does it take to ruin a relationship? It sounds like the lead in line to a joke, right? Uh, you know, and, and maybe the punchline is a former marriage for me. I'm not sure. <laughs> they had people with this one, they had people actually just focus on, and actually they, they tried to make people live through kind of the steps of a relationship, like a choose your own adventure book or something like that. And so, so you have to take this with a grain of salt because they weren't actually like living through relationships in reality, but they were trying to imagine and people have shown how powerful our imagination is and how accurate it can be for kind of our experiences learning anyway. So this is, it's probably pretty close, but just keep take it with a grain of salt. What they did was they had people kind of live through these, through these relationship stories. And what they found was that they would present them. It's like, okay, you know, you meet your, this new dating partner and they're not as attractive as you had expected and they're disheveled. And these were like two deal breakers that they had given the researchers on their list. But they continued in the relationship. So they're like, oh, I guess deal breakers aren't deal breakers because these people just keep going and like, uh, you know, give the person a chance. Uh, and that's what that's what the regular thing is. And what they found was that on average, and maybe this lines up, I mean, I think that lines up with real life is that people, you know, give people a chance and that they don't just end relationships over so-called what they call deal breakers. But they, and then the number actually turned out to be three or four. So if people came up with like three or four, then it was like, you know what, this is too much. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't just, it doesn't take just one deal breaker, but after you break three or four deal breakers, or potentially there was every once in a while, there was a real deal breaker in there. I was like, I can't deal with that thing. But uh, generally it was three or four things. So that's just something to realize. Another thing to realize was that people had a very long list of deal breakers when they came to the researchers with a really long list. They were more quick uh, to actually end the relationship over any one of them. Uh, so some people are just more critical and, 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 you know, choosy in their relationships, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And so that's just something to realize. And I often will see this with clients and I'll tell them things like, you know what, you know, don't go look at when you're choosing a house, don't go look at the house when you've already looked at it online and it doesn't look, and it, it already, you know, breaks one of your criteria. If, right. if it's already a deal breaker, don't even go and look at it because this is the thing that happens. We make exceptions and we give it a chance. And, and the same thing with relationships. If you meet somebody and it's like, or you hear about somebody, if you see them online or whatever it is, and you're already like, well, they already have this and I already don't want that. Well, don't go on the date because mm-hmm. human psychology suggests that you're going to make an exception in many of those cases and you might not be as happy about that later. Right. And the final headline for Cyrus, using psychology to decide who will lead. I want to know about who's the best leader here and using psychology to figure it out. 
Well, uh, the main thing, the main problem is that the way that we choose leadership is with this, you know, with this article called, and I kind of agreed with it, was kind of archaic. We look at people who can, you know, like win a war, you know, like is the most, you know, has the most physical strength or something like this, or people who are tall or, you know, all these factors that don't really matter when you're thinking about kind of the problems we're facing at this day and age. And so it's kind of flawed. And also it's very political. Like usually we'll say, oh, the manager can just choose whoever's best on the team. And, and that's a problem. Um, because sometimes the skills that actually it took to be good on the team aren't leadership skills at all. Uh, you know, it is so, or it's very political. It's like, well, I like this guy or I like this, this person. And all of a sudden it's like, mm, that's not the best way to decide who's a leader. So these things are often given too much weight. And so what they were suggesting was that people should use like, ask the team, you know, ask everybody, who do you think here has good leadership skills, you know, in the team? Uh, who would you like to have be a leader? They were saying to like do organizational wide surveys, you know, gather more information, not just the manager and what the manager thinks. And then they actually suggested using AI. AI is going everywhere. I felt like I had AI there at the dentist. They did this to- tooth scanner thing that I was like, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm in the Jetsons <laughs> here. But uh, <laughs> it's happening. So it's everywhere, even in leadership choice. So uh, AI is coming to a, a manager team meeting uh, near you. And, and it's probably a good thing because we usually make poor decisions around leadership and the wrong things get to make people leaders, particularly people who are narcissistic or power hungry often get promoted. And we need mm-hmm. to find ways around that. Yeah, so true, right? It's it's often who you know when you get mm-hmm. that management opportunity as, a pair, as opposed to what you know or how good you would be at that job. It, it is so true. Mm-hmm. I even feel it when I'm choosing people on my team's uh myself where it's like oh you know i just want to pick this person because they want it and it will make everything easier and they're not going to be upset rather than actually like well who actually would be the person who would be the best person like people would like or people would work with the people the best on this team and it's like well now i'm going to have a political struggle because i didn't make this person the leader and we often just avoid pain and so it takes a lot for managers to fight that kind of political pressure and so these kinds of things can make that easier well and i've said this many times that, that i have such respect uh, for for good managers because uh, they're not afraid to say, you know, this this person just as one example, this person might not be the easiest person to deal with, but it's going to be the best person because they're not just going to mm. do what I tell them to do. They're mm. going to give me feedback and help me be a better manager. Those aren't always the people that are easiest to manage. But I think those are the people you want on your team. And, and so, man, a special, especially a middle manager, that's huge. Mm-hmm. If you can get a good middle manager, that, that's massive. Anyhow, Cyrus, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. For sure, Hal. Have a good weekend. You too. Cyrus Dirksen, DrCyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. You know, talking about nostalgia, I got, I've, I've got to tell you, it's been such a, a, a fun morning for me off air. Uh, my sister Penny... Uh, sent me an article uh, that was posted on Facebook in Lethbridge. I grew up in Picture Butte, very close to Lethbridge, Alberta. And it was the Historical Society, and they had posted a story about a movie that was shot around southern Alberta in 1974 called Locusts. And I think they actually changed the name later on or something, but it was originally called Locusts, or maybe that's the name they ended up going with after it was called something else. I can't remember. I've got to do some reading now. It was 1974. I was 10 years old, and my sister was 8 years old. And my grandpa, around Remembrance Day, you hear me talk about Hawk and Anderson, right, Um, who fought in the First World War for the Americans. Well, he was an extra in this movie. 
1974 that was filmed around southern Alberta, including Carmen Gay, which is they farm very close to, to Carmen Gay. And my sister sent me the article, and then she sent me the photos that she posted on the Facebook uh, article. She has, uh, in the movie, my grandfather was an extra, in the movie, Ben Johnson, who was, you know, a famous actor, Last Picture Show was a big one for him, and Ron Howard from Happy Days, who was 20 years old at the time, and my sister posted a picture of my grandpa and a picture of Ron Howard getting his hair and makeup done, and I remember that vividly, even though I was only uh, 10 years old, and uh, I said to Penny, I said, oh, thanks a lot for, you know, and I've got these pictures, but they're all tucked away. Anyhow, I was back and forth with my sister and saying, hey, thanks for thanks for sharing this, you know, and it's just put a smile on my face all morning, remembering, you know, happy times. So we talk about, about being nostalgic. Funny story, my cousin Cindy, met up with Ron Howard. He was at a bar in in Lethbridge, Alberta one night while doing this movie. She met up with him. They danced, and he gave her a hickey. I said to Penny, do you remember? And she goes, oh, yeah, I remember. And uh, so, anyhow, I mean, nothing more of it, nothing more came of it, but anyhow, so nostalgia. It is, it is cool.